He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. And we're back here on the 73rd Hold Radio Show live on this Sunday morning. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon. T-Dub, I'm sitting here watching the golf during that commercial break, and something came to my mind. They were showing how Cam Young drove it 324 off this six-tee box and Rory McIlroy outdrove him by 30 yards. And what popped into my head, P-Dub, was the fact that Rory McIlroy over this past week has been the only player on the PGA Tour or live in, in professional golf as a whole that has come out um, and supported the distance rolling back the ball, P-Dub. And, and he basically said that he thinks if they roll back the ball 20 yards, then he thinks that the top players will have a bigger advantage. Well, I mean, he's already out driving guys like Cam Young by 30 yards when he hits at 324. Uh, Rory's out there hitting at 354 off the six tee box. I, I still think that the longer hitters, if they roll the ball back 20 yards, C-Dub, in my opinion, he's right. They are going to have a bigger advantage, and – I think it's bad for the game, good for Rory McIlroy, but bad for the game. It doesn't shock me that Rory is in favor of rolling the ball back, but it's main, not because Rory wants good for the game, right? He, he, he wants what's best for himself. I, I agree with him that, it's, that, w- that it would separate um, you know, top players, but at the same time, you watch these tournaments, and he's still out driving these guys by 30 yards regardless, right? And, and, and holes like this, Cam Young wouldn't even be able to get there into, T-Dub. Yeah, it's he's definitely saying that for his best interest. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We talked about this extensively on the podcast. Is A lot of people think that, oh, this will bring the shorter hitters back into it if they roll the ball back. It's the exact opposite because they're not going to be able to keep up. with You're going to have guys like Kevin Kisner uh, hitting three woods into par fours. It's like, no, we don't want that. But So I do think it is – it's not really ironic at all. It's pretty much – I'm not shocked one bit that Rory came out as in favor of because, like I said, it's going to make his driving distance – even more so an advantage, but it's been so unanimous. Really, I mean, about 95% of people in the golfing world do not seem to like that decision. So, Rory wants to be in the 5%. That's okay. Let, let him have his thoughts, and we'll, we'll go on and see it. Because at the end of the day, Sam, th- these these players, they have a lot of power in this situation. But when it comes to the majors, if the majors decide to do it, they're just going to have to roll with it. And uh, someone like Rory with this distance, he's not going to be as hurt by it as a lot of people think that uh, that, that, that people just have an inverse as to what will be beneficial. The longer hitters will benefit more from the ball dialing back than vice versa. No doubt about it, P-Dub. This Dell Technologies match play is not the only PGA Tour tournament going on this week. The opposite field event at the Corrales Punta Cana Championship has some familiar names at the top of this leaderboard. Tied for first uh, is Sam Stevens, who played not only his college golf at Oklahoma State, but was from Wichita and played on the Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour growing up. He's 14 under. Um, tied with Nikolai Hodgegaard. And then you have Thomas Dietrich, Wyndham Clark, who played his college golf at Oklahoma State. Um, and then Austin Eckroat yesterday, T-Dub, had a wild round. He shot 28 on the front nine yesterday, actually took the lead 
of the golf tournament at one point, but he shoots 38 on the back nine. What a wild way to shoot a 66, T-Dub. 28-38 for Austin Ekro. He's tied for seventh at 12 under, two shots back of Hodgegaard and Sam Stevens headed into today. Unbelievable golf from, from Austin Ekro and Sam Stevens and Wyndham Clark. But Austin Ekro is one of those guys that, and I've seen it firsthand, he was my high school teammate at Edmund North. Austin Ekro is one of those guys that when he catches fire, he doesn't really get put out. Now, yesterday he did shoot 38 on the back nine, but what I'm saying is he made two pars on that front nine, all birdies and one eagle. It was unbelievable golf from Austin Eckrode. I'm excited to see how that one finishes up today. Yeah, Austin yesterday on the front nine made eight threes and one four for, for a solid 28. I mean, how are you doing? That's pretty pretty impressive there. Didn't close very well with a two over 38 on the back nine, but it is a good sign from Austin because, unfortunately, since his T12 at the Sony Open back in January, had missed his last six cuts that he had played in. So he needs to start showing a little bit more form with this being his first year out on the PJ Tour. And, and I think it'll just take him, get his feet wet a little bit as he's showing the see it. This is an opposite field event, but it's actually a, a pretty good opposite field event. It's not like some of the other ones where, like, for example, uh, the other opposite field events will be competing against a PJ Tour tournament that has 120 players in it. This one only had 64, so you get a lot of good players who may have been it. Like, Wyndham Clark probably would have been in the bottom part of an elevated event if it was a full field, but instead he's playing this week, sitting there at T3, and there's just a loaded class at, at minus 13 under. You have Matt Wallace is a very uh, accomplished player. Wyndham Clark, who we just mentioned. Thomas Dietrich, who, who going into this tournament, him and Wyndham Clark were the favorites. So, and, the, and then the guys you mentioned, Sam Stevens, local guy everyone knows around here. But Nikolai Horgard has been playing exceptionally well over on the DP World Tour. Had not missed a cut going all the way back to October of last year and had uh, four top 13 finishes really since, this, well, going all the way back to December. But nevertheless, that, that tour kind of wraps around their season even more so than PJ Tour does. So a uh, lot of good stuff from Nikolai Horgold. I think this is going to be a really interesting tournament to watch this afternoon, Sam. It's uh, it's going to be a shootout. You could even have some guys down there. at and There's no one at 11 under, but maybe Bryce Garnett at 10 under who, who was playing pretty well in the week. You could have guys make runs and come out of nowhere on this course. So I'm really excited. Uh, usually not that excited about an opposite field event, Sam, but uh, – I'm pretty intrigued by this one. No doubt about it. And for not only Austin Ekro, but Sam Stevens as well, he's been playing some streaky golf too. I mean, he has a tied for 13th this, this year at the Farmers Insurance Open, obviously a big tournament out at Torrey Pines, finished tied for 15th at the Puerto Rico Open, was actually up there, didn't play great on Sunday in that one. But he also has some missed cuts thrown in there. You know, he made the cut last year at the U.S. Open. Um, it, it's interesting to me to watch guys when they are first getting onto the PGA Tour, how they play uh, and where they play good at. And Sam Stevens is a guy that clearly, whether it's a tough course or a tough field, it doesn't really matter to him. I mean, he finished tied for 13th at the Farmers, for goodness sakes, but it seems like some, some of these tournaments, like the Valspar where he missed the cut, um, you know, or the American Express tied for 67th at, at the Sony Open missed cut, it's it's hard to prognosticate how these guys are going to play when they're first just learning these golf courses. It's the first time in their career that um, you know you don't you you play it, like for instance in college you play the same courses for four years straight. You get to know those courses, and on the PGA Tour, this is the first time they're seeing these courses. I think that that's the biggest factor for young guys coming out on the PGA Tour and why they are at such a disadvantage to all the other guys. That what that's what makes. 
guys like Cam Young, what they did last year, so impressive, right, T-Dub? 100%, and not only is it, uh, the, you know, just the actual courses, but it's how the PJ Tour sets their courses up. I mean, they're, they're, they could be a lot more challenging in a lot of areas, and just going to the different types of grasses, getting to travel. I mean, obviously, a lot of these players have played uh, more than likely all over the world, but still, just getting accustomed to, to that part of it, the travel of it, I, I think has a lot to do with it. And one of the reasons that Sam Stevens has been a, a roller coaster ride really at the start of this year is that he's played in five-stroke play um, since, since American Express. He's had played in five-stroke gained events where they calculated. Two of them, he's gained a shot or more on the greens, and the other three, he's lost a shot or more on the greens. So not only is he streaky with the putter, he's been extremely streaky with the putter, and and, and that's what makes it r- really hard, as you said, Sam, to prognosticate how he's going to play. But one of the longer hitters out there hits the ball an absolute mile, does everything else Pretty good whenever you, you look at it. He's a little bit below average in, in chipping, a little bit below average in driving accuracy, but his approach game's about average and his putting's about average as well. So if he can get on a course to where he's familiar with the greens and can take advantage of his distance a little bit, he, he's going to have a great chance just like he does this afternoon. You mentioned how consistent Hodgegaard's been playing. Also, Wyndham Clark hasn't missed the cut since the Shriners Children's Open. That's really impressive. He was my one-and-done pick this week. I think that Wyndham Clark, gets the job done today if you had to ask me one shot back of Sam Stevens and Hodgegaard uh Thomas Dietrich at 13 under along with Wyndham Clark uh um and then Matt Wallace uh, along with them at 12 or at 13 under par Austin Ekro at 12 under par um T-Dub let's go back to the match play but let's go back to the group play of the match play what were some of your surprises and maybe some uh, disappointments from the group play. Mine, I would say my surprise of the group play was the fact that John Rahm not only got beat in his group, but he finished third in his group. Ricky Fowler actually showing some solid form. Unfortunately, Billy Horschel had to beat John Rahm, which meant that Ricky Fowler was eliminated and Ricky Fowler had to make the quarterfinals of the match play to get into the Masters this upcoming in, in two weeks I almost said this upcoming April we're, we're almost there golf fans to Augusta National but Ricky Fowler would have had to finish uh in the quarterfinals of the match play and that means that Ricky now has to win next week in San Antonio and he did say that he's going to play and try to win and try to make the Masters T-Dub that would that would be my surprise of the group play yeah, unfortunately, that's going to be the only way that Ricky can get in the Masters is if he is able uh, to win next week. I, I agree with Rom. I, I just don't think that it's – you expect him to keep showing that form that he saw at the, at the start of the year, and maybe he's just kind of fizzled out of, of that a little bit. He dealt with the, the illness at uh, at TBC Sawgrass, so maybe he's still coming off of that a little bit. But, yeah, I, I just – I wasn't a big fan uh, of what I saw from John Ron's game uh, this past week, and whenever you have someone like Billy Horschel just playing absolutely horrible uh, since then, is able to move on. I think it's pretty telling. J- just for comparison's sake, out of the 64 players in the uh, first three rounds of group play, John Rahm was 51st a- out of those players. So yeah, just not playing good at all, not hitting his irons very good at all into the greens. Uh, so that's a little bit alarming. My my one of my one and done picks, and a guy who I predicted to go to the finals, Terrell Hatton, played absolutely horrible. I think he went 0 three in-, in the matches, or I-, I don't even think he got a win in there. So yeah, he. He played horrible. There was some concern saying that he was going to withdraw in the first uh, on the first day. Said he had some wrist problems or something like that. So maybe he's dealing with that. So he was a little bit of a concern too. But one thing I took away.
Ivor and Sam looking at this. Uh, group 10 had Kurt Kitayama, Adrian Moronk, and Tony Fina in it. I can't remember who the other player was in there in Group 10. Oh, it's my man uh, Christian Bezainhut. Um, but out of those uh, those first three names I mentioned, all three of those guys were in the top 10 of players when it came to, uh, to strokes gain numbers. So uh, that, that just goes shows Sam what can happen in match play. You have you have one group at four players out of 64, and three of them in one group are in the top 10 of uh, uh, of the strokes gain. I mean, that just kind of uh, kind of the crooked crumbles sometimes, the rub of the green aspect. But uh, a little bit unfortunate for uh, Moroc and Fina to get uh, put in those groups against uh, Kitty Yama, who which the, all three of those had to go to the old uh, the old one hole playoff, which uh, in a match play tournament they actually turned the playoff into stroke play, which I think is kind of funny, but that's what they have to do. So uh, just another example, Sam, of uh, sometimes match play can be a little fickle because a lot of times it has to do with who you're put up against versus how you play. Let's talk about that for a second, T-Dub. Do you like the one-hole playoff, even if a guy beat another guy head-to-head? I know it was Mackenzie Hughes. Who was Mackenzie Hughes playing uh, in the group play, and he beat him six and four, and then they had to go into the playoff. Who was that, T Dub? I can't remember. It was Taylor Montgomery, and it was the same day. It was on Friday. Mackenzie Hughes beat Taylor Montgomery six and four. There were only two players in their group to finish two and one, and they have to go to a to a one hole playoff, Sam, to do it. It's absolutely ridiculous. It would be the exact so dumb. It would be the exact same as if in, in college football you had two teams that that tied. Let's say you know OU and OSU tied, and OU beat OSU in, in the deal. So that should be the tie breaker but instead they, they just go to overtime and just say okay well let's shoot it out from here and see who does it because they have the same record it's absolutely ludicrous it's ridiculous and luckily Mackenzie Hughes was able to win that because had Taylor Montgomery won it would have been the biggest joke I've ever seen in a PJ Tour tournament no doubt about it imagine if you lose six and four and then win one hole and you're through uh to the brackets uh t-dub we got to hit a break here you are listening to the 73rd hole radio show sam humphreys taylor williams with you until noon and stay tuned after uh next hour next hour we are going to have taylor moore on the show here so stay tuned to the 73rd hole radio show on oklahoma's leader in golf the sports animal and we're back here on the 73rd hole radio show sam humphreys taylor williams preston pool with you till noon talking golf T-Dub, I want to mention a few more guys from that group play that I thought were a little bit disappointing. Number one is Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland lost 4-3 and three to Siwoo Kim and lost 3-1 and one to the match play king, Matt Kuchar. Uh, what was that stat again, T-Dub? He was like 30-35-15 and 35 and 15 in match play in his career, uh, Matt Kuchar was. Unbelievable stat you gave on the podcast the other day. Um, but Matt Kuchar ends up winning that group. Uh, Chris Kirk was also in that group. Victor did beat him four and three. But Victor's a guy, T-Dub, that I feel like has been on the cusp of doing some great things. But for some reason, and I think it's the short game is the reason, but for some reason, he just hasn't gotten the most out of rounds. It's almost like even in the stroke play tournaments we've seen before this week, it just seems like, he is shooting about as high as he possibly can on any given day. And especially in contention, he gave away Bay Hill. He was up there a couple of weeks ago as well. It just seems like Victor Hovland's had a really disappointing year for uh, a guy that I think has, I mean, a whole lot of talent, if not the most talent on the PGA Tour as far as, far as ball striking wise, T-Dub. What do you think that Victor Hovland needs to do to get back uh, or get to an elite level? 
I think there's a decent amount of factors that, that are going into it. Number one is what you mentioned earlier about the short game. I think that until he's able to full even get that to just be a little bit moderate, it seemed like he had it rolling a little bit at the end of last year, Sam, but over his last five events has lost strokes gained around the green. So I think that is something to be very alarming. I will say something that's encouraging. Leading up to this event, his last four events, he had gained strokes gain approach, and every single one of those had gotten progressively better. So it seemed like he might have been finding something with his irons, uh, his last two events, stroke play, he had gained shots on the greens at two events before that. He had actually lost strokes gain around the greens. Keeps hitting his driver exceptionally well. So I think really just the chipping, that's going to be the number one thing at Augusta because you're not going to be able to hit 72 greens out there. You're going to miss a lot of greens, and, and you're going to have to be able to get up and down in certain situations. So if Hovland is able to do that, I think he'll have a chance. But at the same time, uh, not only could you get yourself to where if you're chipping for birdie, you can make a bogey. At Augusta, you could put yourself in some spots if you don't hit a good chip where you're going to make a double uh, from those situations. That's just going to be an absolute momentum killer for when it comes uh, to to that golf course. So I, I think Hovland's got a few things to work out. He did win his last match. I think he played Chris Kirk and won pretty decently there. It was 0-2 before that, but was able to uh, to get that win. So maybe he's got a little confidence going in there. So Javi's still got some work to do, but uh, analytically still ranked the ninth best player in the world. Did finish third at the players just a couple weeks ago. So has a lot to build on, but at the same time still looking for that first win in the United States. It'd be hard for me to believe that the first time he wins in this country uh, uh, that that it's in a major championship. Another guy that I was a little disappointed in this week was Jordan Spieth. Leading up to this tournament, Jordan Spieth had a tied for six at the elevated event at the WM Phoenix Open. Uh, he finished tied for fourth at the elevated event at Bay Hill. Um, he finished top 20 at the Players, and he finished tied for third at the Valspar. But this week, he loses 2-1 and one to Shane Lowry, who has not been playing the same great golf that Shane Lowry normally plays uh, leading up to Augusta. Taylor Montgomery um, in that match, T-Dub, he lost 2-1. and one. Taylor Montgomery, one of the best putters on the PGA Tour, by the way. Um, I really like his game. And then uh, he did, ironically, beat the guy that won uh, that group, Mackenzie Hughes, 4-3. and three. What did you see from Jordan Spieth? Can we really take anything away from this? Is it is it just match play, or is there something uh, that might keep you from picking Jordan Spieth uh, to finish in the top five at Augusta National? I think the thing that's a little bit alarming was is that he came out and he played so well in the first day. Beat, as you mentioned, the guy who won the group, McKenzie Hughes, four and three, and was playing exceptionally well during that stretch. So yeah, I think it was a little bit alarming that he lost his last uh, two matches in there to someone like like Shane Lowry, who did not have a very good record on this course as well. And this is in Austin, Texas, where where Speed went to school and from Texas. So I expected him 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 to have. A little bit of momentum on, on that end. But as far as going to Augusta, same, I still think that he's got to be a guy that people are looking at. In his last five-stroke play events, he's gained uh, four out of his f- last five-stroke play events. He's gained more than a shot approach to green. So he's fa- definitely found something with his irons. I, I saw him hit a few loose shots uh, this week and also as well just the putter still isn't there. Really, really streaky with that putter, which is something that he's not really used to. And something else to look at, Sam, too, is that everyone knows how good of, of a record he has at Augusta. The only two, the last two years of stroke play at that course, he's actually lost strokes gains on the on the greens there. So everyone says he goes to a course uh, greens that he likes, where in the past he has, but at least of recently, even when he finished third back there in 2021, he lost strokes gained on the greens. So that's something to look at. But I think the rest of his game is getting there. And uh, am I necessarily going to pick him to put on the green jacket? No, but I can definitely see myself throwing speed in uh, a few DraftKings lineups for sure. No doubt about it. And then another popular pick or a popular guy on the PGA Tour 
is Will Zalatoris, and he finished last in that group seven. And in the first round, he lost three and two to Andrew Putnam. Uh, second round, he lost five and three to Harris English, who has been up and down so far this year. Um, not good in either of those first two. And then he cited an illness and withdrew and conceded the third round match to Ryan Fox. Um, it hasn't been a great uh, start to the year. Obviously, Will Zalatoris coming off the back injury at the end of last year. Um, Willie Z finished uh, fourth at the Genesis. Um, but other than that, uh, he finished tied for 11th at the Century. Um, but he also has like tied for 36 at the American Express, missed cut at the Farmers, tied for 53rd at Bay Hill, tied for 73rd um, at the Players' Championship. I would stay the heck away from picking Will Zalatoris in any of your Masters pools, T-Dub. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because he's finished second and sixth there, his only two appearances. So you think, oh, well, this is a guy who has to play Will here, but I'm in the exact same way, Sam. I'm completely... Of, of Faden Wills out Torres until further notice. I remember I had him picked uh, in the one and done at the Arnold Palmer because he was coming off of that fourth of Genesis, as you mentioned. And I could not believe the amount of four four to five footers I saw him miss. I mean, and I guess in all reality, I could believe it because it's uh, of that putting stroke. But at the same time, you expect him to make a couple of them. And even this week, Sam, out of 64 players in total strokes gained, he was 56th. And on the greens, he lost 5.3 shots on the greens. So he, he was just not putting very good at all. And he's got to get something figured out there. His last two stroke play events has lost a lot of strokes on the greens as well. But I will say this, the two times he has played Augusta, gained 1.38 and 1.5 on the greens. So definitely definitely has something to do with, with liking those greens. So maybe he'll turn it around and maybe get geared up uh, for Will's out, for for the Masters. But uh, Will's out Taurus is someone I will not be picking um, until I see a little bit of form. No doubt about it. And then a guy that did play well this week, but a lot of people won't talk about because he did lose early in the bracket play, uh, is Max Homa. Max Homa has been playing great golf. In my opinion, he's the fourth best golfer in the world right now. Um, obviously tied for sixth at the Players' Championship, one at the Farmers, and finished second at the Genesis at Riviera. Uh, this week in group play, he goes undefeated uh, 3-0. and um, In his three matches, obviously, uh, Hideki conceded the final match to him. Um, Hideki had a, had an injury or an illness in that final round. I, by the way, I don't like when... Now, in this situation, it eliminated Justin Suh. Now, in, in Will Zalatoris' situation, when he conceded that match to Ryan Fox, um, that group had already been decided I think um but I don't like when guys concede their match their final match uh, and and it kind of eliminates a guy like Justin Sub. but anyways um Max Homa has just been playing some great golf beat Kevin Kisner three and two by the way Kiz has not been playing good golf lately played a little bit better in the match play this week but he is the lowest ranked player in the Masters on data golf um, and then Justin Suh, the, the young guy out of USC, he beat him 3-2. and two. Max Homa continues to play great golf. I like his chances to finish top 10 at Augusta National, C-Dub. Well, everyone thought that once he got away from the West Coast, that, oh, he, he, he'll start to fall apart. Well, he finished 14th and 6th 
in, in his two events there. So uh, I will say two things that alarmed me about Max Homa, though, is that out of everyone who made the, the uh, Group 16, he was the worst going into that in terms of strokes gain, which just to put it in perspective, he was 33rd, and the next highest was Andrew Putnam at 22. So there was a decent amount of gap there. I will say that become for the fact that he did not play Hideki, he would have probably been able to gain some strokes there. So I think there's a little bit of validity to that. But also, Sam, he's played the Masters three times, missed the cut twice, and finished 48th there. I know he's an entirely different player now, but uh, it's, uh, once again, kind of similar to, uh, some of the other guys we talked about where it's going to be hard for me to see him having his, uh, his by far his best finish in a major result in him getting the green jacket as cool as it would be to see uh, from a very likable guy but uh, he's got a lot to prove at that golf course before I think he can earn it no that's a great point it would be a risk to pick him but I just think his recent form is so good uh, that I wouldn't have a problem picking him but you're exactly right he, he hadn't had any success at Augusta National yet but he is a different player so it's going to be interesting to see we might P-Dub here in this next segment after this break, hit some more guys and, and kind of tell the people what we think about them leading into Augusta now that we won't see a lot of guys play next week in San Antonio. We will see all the live guys. That's going to be a big tournament. We'll get into that here after the break here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon. Definitely go subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple. It's also right here on thesportsanimal.com, and the sports animal is Oklahoma's leader in golf. That is right. You are listening to the 73rd Hold Radio Show live on the Sports Animal. We'll be live for one more segment here. Then we are going to replay, in case you missed it, our exclusive interview with Taylor Moore, who just won at the Valspar Championship last week on the PGA Tour. We talked to him on Thursday on the podcast, and you missed it. We're going to replay it here on the 73rd Hold Radio Show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole uh, with you today. And I want to give everybody an update on these morning matches at the Dell Technology Match Play. Um, Scotty Scheffler has completely flipped the script here on Sam Burns. Sam Burns came out and birdied his first three holes to three up on Scotty Scheffler. Um, but then Scotty won number five. Uh, with a par, and then Scotty birdied six for a win, birdied eight for a win, and birdied nine for a win. So now Scotty Scheffler, after the front nine, is one up after being three down through three, T-Dub. Quite uh, the flip there. The tables have turned for sure in that match. What are your thoughts? They they actually have turned. I've seen uh, from what I've seen, Sam Burns is missing a few shots off the tee on the tenth hole. Uh, looks like Scotty Scheffler has a pretty short putt for birdie as well, so he may even be able uh, to move the two up in, in that aspect. So yeah, just completely flip the script. You expect when you're three down through three that uh, maybe you start to see some signs of worry. But uh, Scheffler's been able to not only ride the ship with being able to make some birdies, but uh, Burns kind of giving it to him because since those uh, those first three birdies we just mentioned, he's played two over since then, so it isn't very good. And uh, looks like he's kind of getting a little bit wayward off the tee, which can be uh, Sam Burns' nemesis. His distance and his uh, great putty can only bail him out for so long. No doubt. And it wasn't quite as severe as Sam Burns getting up uh, by three early in that match, but Cam Young did get up early in his match against Rory McIlroy. They both birdied number one, and then Cam Young birdied number three, and and Rory McIlroy made bogey on that hole, but obviously just one up after three. Um, and then Rory made birdies at five and at six and won both of those holes. So after eight holes, 
Rory McIlroy is one up in that match. What are your thoughts on that match, T Dub? Oh, it's a little bit different from what we were talking about earlier, right? With uh, Cam Young playing the front nine so well, he'd gotten out to such huge leads, and this is uh, by far the best player that he's played so far. He is only two under uh, on this nine, which isn't bad at all, but at the same time, he had been about four or five under on average the other time. So uh, it'll be a little bit different aspect for him going against, uh, instead of having to keep that lead, now he's going against one of the world's best, and it actually looks like he's going to be down going into the back nine. So I uh, was playing so good leading up to this, Sam. Maybe uh, Cam Young is coming a little bit down to earth, which uh, I didn't necessarily expect to happen, as I was talking about earlier. But at the same time, you run into a great player like Rory, who's already made three birdies in the first uh, eight holes. There's only so much that can be done. But I do expect this match to uh, be a little bit closer going in the back nine than this uh, Sam Burns-Scheffler match. Anything can turn at any point, but it looks like uh, Sam Burns is kind of just kind of trying to uh, keep the wheels on his uh, on his ride at this point. No doubt about it. It's going to be an interesting day. I'm kind of rooting for the favorites in these matches this morning because I want to see Scotty Scheffler versus Rory McIlroy this afternoon. We'll get to some Masters favorites here in a minute. Um, But T-Dub, I don't know if you saw this, but on the Golf Channel, they posted a graphic during the golf yesterday or the day before maybe. And it was past champions at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. And uh, obviously, Scotty, I'll read this off to you guys. Obviously, Scotty Scheffler in 2022, Billy Horschel in 21. Um, and then you had Kevin Kisner in 2019, Jason Day in 2016. Now, I, I feel like we're missing some people there, T-Dub. Are we missing Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson, who obviously have won the Dell Technologies match play. I didn't know that not only are these guys banned from the PGA Tour, now we're omitting their history on the Golf Channel graphics while the play is going on, T-Dub. I thought that was a little petty by the Golf Channel. Well, 100% is. It's very similar to like when you go to the uh, PGA Tour career money list website. I mean, Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, those guys are nowhere to be found on there. It's like they never even played on the PGA Tour. And yeah, they left out three years. They left out uh, Bubba Watson, Dustin Johnson, and Ian Poulter. Uh, I believe it was 20, 2010, 2016, 2000, or 2010, 2017, 2018 were the years. And yeah, it's just... It's an absolute shame because, I mean, this is a good example. Like, for example, Rory's drive that he hit on 18 at um, in the group play was similar to a drive that Dustin Johnson hit at, at Kapalua a few years ago where it goes up to about two feet and everyone just says it's one of the best drives they've ever seen. Well, we're never going to see that Dustin Johnson drive again because they're going to act like he never played golf, which is an absolute crime to me. And what's funny is that they say, like, guys like Cam, Cam Smith, who was trying to play in the defendant's title with the players, they're like, well, he's suspended from the tour. Well, I can't remember any other time, Sam, where players were suspended from the tour and they absolutely omitted every single thing they'd done. So, uh, so much hypocrisy going on, on on that front. It's absolutely ridiculous. And how you can't name the guys who have won your term in the past is an absolute joke to me. It really is. Um, we just got a text message here from the 405 saying the constant live talk is brutal. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I just spent an hour and eight minutes talking about the PGA Tour. Uh, this morning, and I mentioned live one time, people lose their minds. The Golf Channel's done a heck of a job by brainwashing people into thinking that live golf is not golf, but we have seen some solid golf on the live tour so far uh, this year, T-Dub, but I think that this next tournament coming up next week at Live Golf Orlando is going to be really interesting because obviously the live guys had a long layoff, and it's the first time that 
you know, professional golfers have really had a real off season. And I think you see some rust in some guys' games like a Dustin Johnson or a Cam Smith. I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of these guys play next week, considering the fact that, you know, a, a guy like a Charles Howell has been playing great golf, but he might not have taken as much time off. Um, you know, guys like Abe Anser, who we saw earlier this year win at the Saudi International. By the way, Cam Young, who you're watching on the PGA Tour right now, was playing in that tournament. Abe Anser beat him at the Saudi International, but then he's kind of struggled a little bit uh, 17th and 28th in his first two starts on live. Um, obviously, Bubba Watson hasn't played any good, but he is always, you know, a, a factor at Augusta National, uh, 23rd and 40th in his first two. Uh, live events, T-Dub, Taylor Gooch, 14th in his first two live events. Um, what are your thoughts on what we might see next week at Live Golf Orlando, and what things are you looking for from guys like a Dustin Johnson, a Cam Smith, a Joaquin Neiman, uh, and Abe Answer, those top guys that I feel like would have a chance at Augusta National, but they need to show me a little bit of form here because it's interesting that the PGA Tour players we've seen for – what five six events already this season and we've only seen the live guys for two events i think this is a big week uh for the live guys leading into augusta national considering there's 18 live players playing at augusta national this year well and one quick comment about about the the textures comment is that we wouldn't have brought up live if the graphic didn't leave off the players who won the tournament i mean that's the number one reason that we even talked about it so uh, i mean just make sure you get uh know exactly the reason why we were because it's just absolutely ridiculous that that happened but what i'm really looking forward to this week sam is the fact of these guys on live have only played two other tournaments leading up to this they've only played six competitive rounds and after this one they'll have only played nine tur- nine tournament rounds after Orlando so they haven't even, they don't even have double digit competitive rounds going into Augusta so that's something very alarming going to need to see hopefully some really good form from guys who have played well at Augusta in the past Dustin Johnson in 44 rounds at Augusta is gaining 2.09 uh, strokes Cam Smith in 24 rounds is gaining 2.05 you mentioned guys like Bubba Watson even someone like a Lee Westwood no one's going to pick him to win the tournament, but uh, he's uh, actually, I don't even think he's in the field this week or next week, so you can get a lot of that going on. Someone like Louie, who's played really good at, at Augusta, he's he's a guy that you could look at there as well, so d- this is an ultimate time, Sam, where I'm going to need to see some form, because if you don't play good or at Orlando, because really the big names on Liv haven't been up there in the first two events, so if they're not able to, to show some form, it's going to be hard for me to look at a Dustin Johnson, or maybe even a Cam Smith at Augusta, if they don't finish in the top 10 or maybe even top five of this upcoming event. No doubt about it. And looking forward to Augusta National, your favorite is still John Rahm at 15 to 2, Scotty Scheffler 8 to 1, and then Rory McElroy at 17 to 2. Now, those odds might change if Rory McElroy beats Scotty Scheffler um, this week, or this, this afternoon in uh, their match in the final if they do end up facing each other. Um, but T Dub. I kind of want to do this by tiers, and we don't have a whole lot of time left, but that top tier of John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, I think people are going to be surprised about what I say about Augusta National. John Rahm was on fire earlier this year, but he's lost some form. The driver has been an issue with John Rahm recently. I think his lower body has started aiming a little too far left. Um, and a little too far right with the a little too far left with the driver and a little too far right with the irons and he's kind of double crossing some drives under pressure 
Um, and then Scotty Scheffler obviously has been struggling with the putter. Now he's been striking the ball better than anybody on the PGA Tour. But the things that I've seen this week from Rory McIlroy at the Dell Technologies match play almost makes me want to pick Rory McIlroy to win the Masters. And I'm not saying I'm going to do it yet. I'm going to make my predictions, obviously, once we get to our preview show for Augusta National. But I'm saying that what I have seen this week, the driver, obviously, he had no confidence in, in that stealth driver before this week. That new shaft in Rory's driver, the shorter shaft in Rory's driver has made a big difference. But I think the biggest difference that I see in Rory this week is that with the new blade putter, he is making crucial putts under pressure. And that's what I want to see from Rory McIlroy leading into Augusta National. That's what we saw from him earlier in the year in Dubai. And then we never really saw again until this week. And Rory is a guy that's going to get up for Augusta National. He needs that for the Grand Slam. That kind of worries me. Maybe he puts too much pressure on himself, but I agree with what you said earlier, T-Dub. It seems like in the recent weeks, the last three weeks or so, he's stopped being an activist for the PGA Tour and, and been more of, you know, I need to play elite golf to win at Augusta National. I like that from Rory McIlroy, and I don't like what I've seen from John Rahm recently. Scotty Scheffler, obviously a factor at Augusta National, but he won last year. So do we kind of count him out as the back-to-back champion? You know, that never really happens. And so to me, out of that top tier, the guy that I would bet on to finish best out of John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy right now would be Rory. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's what I think. I think what's even even crazier about that, Sam, is we put those three up against each other. If you would have said a month ago that John Rahm may be third on that list, I think everyone would have said, you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? But that may be the case yep. at this point. I mean, it just shows how fast golf can change. And Scheffler, yes, he did win there last year. But even the other two times he's played there, he finished 18th and 19th, and he's playing so well recently. I think he's may, maybe not necessarily the pick to win because he's it's so hard to win back-to-back. I believe there's only been three players all time that have won back-to-back Masters. So he's got that to deal with, but his form is there. I would be shocked if Scheffler didn't finish inside the top ten and potentially even top five and have a chance to to even win. Rahm has played Augusta exceptionally well. He's made the cut all six times. Uh, four of those finishes are, are top nine or better. So he, he's definitely got stuff going on there. And then Rory finished second last year with the miraculous hole out on 18 that, that Faldo let slip too early. And besides his miscut, in 2021 has played this course exceptionally well, even going all the way back to uh, when he had his back nine collapse whenever he should have won back in, what was that, 2010, uh, 2011, I believe, was when that happened. So has played this course well, but Sam, there's just so much on the line to, to win the career Grand Slam of golf. It's something that, uh, you know, maybe had we I not seen what I saw at the players a couple weeks ago, I may be more inclined, but let's say he does go out and win this afternoon. Uh, may, may change my tide a bit, but if you're putting a gun to my head right now and said you have to pick one of those three, I'm going to pick Scheffler. I don't blame you for that. He's been rock solid recently, and, and it's, like I said, he's struggled a little bit with the putter, um, but he's the best ball striker on the PGA Tour so far this year. We'll obviously break down more players leading up to Augusta. We'll do that next week, even though we'll talk a little bit about San Antonio next week, and then we will be live at Augusta National um, coming up during Masters Week. I cannot wait. I'm excited to get out there. I haven't been Augusta National in about a decade. T-Dub's never been there. We're, we're going to get his thoughts um, on seeing Augusta National for the first time in person. Cannot wait for Masters Week coming up here in two weeks. T-Dub, 
uh, and Preston Poole, thank you so much. We are going to replay our podcast from last Thursday. And last Thursday, we had Taylor Moore, who just won at the Valspar 